going on, everyone? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and we are one and done with the NFL draft class of 2020, the first virtual draft ever in the NFL. And I thought it would be good to have not one, but two homies on the line. Uh, let me do separate introductions. First and foremost, we have T Up. T Up, are you there? Yo, what's good? And then we got my boy Camo. Camo, are you there? I'm alive and well. Just the West. Thanks for thanks for having me on. For sure, Is man. Everyone's staying. Uh, everyone's COVID free. Families COVID. and friends. Yes. Good. Good. Justin, are you staying COVID free over there in the Bay Area? You know, all all things considered, yeah. Uh, I am feeling some sort of way when. Um, where I live in Alameda County, they did announce that uh, we are going to be sheltering in place for another month till the end of May. <laughs> so uh, we found that out a couple of days ago. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, hopefully we get past this together. What about what about you, T? You're, you're in SoCal. How's LA treating you? Yeah, it's the same. You know, as you, as you probably saw, Newport Beach was just packed over the weekend. Yeah. And it was just... Residents, they were saying it was just ridiculously packed. Now they're talking about closing the beaches for three weeks. Uh, um, so, yeah, life is great over here. It's hot as fuck. 95 <laughs> degrees, like, almost every day. Yeah. So. What about what about you, Camo? You're in Seattle, so, I mean, is it is it raining or is it starting to be kind of kind of nice? Uh, it's been super nice. Uh, went on a run today around the lake. It's, like, 62 <laughs> degrees, so... Damn. pretty ideal uh, yeah no it's been it's been it's been interesting for sure they haven't there are shelter in place supposed to extend to monday and they haven't said what's gonna happen after that so okay so to be determined um but let's go ahead and shift gears then the reason why we're all here is to talk a little bit of nfl draft football because i mean outside of the, the last dance being the mg documentary the nfl draft was like the only relevant thing in sports like Period. Like the only current thing that we can look forward to, right? You didn't watch the NBA horse competition. You know, I, to your point, I did. <laughs> I, 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 did. I watched. <laughs> it was apparently it was Justin's favorite show. Like that. I mean, you know, it was definitely better than that two K thing they were airing for sure. Yeah, I I think they aired the first round of horse. Hearing from a friend. No, actually, I did watch it. They aired it yes. on e- April for Easter Sunday, and yeah, yeah, I checked it out, and it was um, kind of what I expected. Comley, Mike Comley won, right? Because he had like he had like an actual court. Um, he, yeah, pretty. But the guy with the nicest court. The nicest court, right? He better win. The <laughs> people were playing like out in the like, elements and stuff. <laughs> I know. I they know. have all the. They got the bent rims. They got like cracks on the driveway. You know. Yeah, like, for real. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I thought Trey Young was gonna take some like forty footers, but he didn't do any of that. Yeah. Well, once again, in terms of like court court advantage or disadvantage, he was outdoors too. True. Yeah. So, but circling back, so there was the horse, there was MJ documentary, and then there was NFL draft. And yes. So I mean, before we get into it and talk about some of the. Um, Draft classes in the NFC West. I mean, what was your overall take with the draft? I mean, you saw Roger Goodell looking like <laughs> Mr. Rogers in his in his brown sweater. He changed a couple times, and you saw um, it was interesting. You saw coaches, you saw players 
yeah. at the sanctity of their home with families and friends. I mean, what was your thoughts on the on, on the draft? Yeah, I thought that I thought it was interesting how you know when there was going to be a pick, and they kind of pan around to the different you know top uh, top draft guys and you know had them all looking at their phones. You never really know who was like who's calling. So uh, I thought that part was kind of interesting, but overall, it's it definitely had it was cool, but kind of had something wasn't really the same. I mean, the takeaway is like. Hooray, got picked, and then everyone's celebrating. But, you know, it doesn't have the same luster as, as usual. What about you, T-Up? What was your take on it? Uh, one thing that kind of sticks in my head, the end of the first round, um, when Roger Goodell was naming uh, announcements of picks, yeah. his eyes were, like, super bloodshot. Like, he was, like, <laughs> smoking a doobie or something. But he looked super faded at the end of that first round. I was like, man... I mean, bro, just think about it, though. Like, <laughs> usually you have someone else to kind of help you or, you know, no, it was just him and him alone at his house doing a fucking draft, you know? You know, I can see him, like, probably get up hella early to set up, like, like, the camera and stuff and, like, being awake, just, like, kind of do everything by himself. Oh, yeah, and slip, sipping the, you know, grandpa's reserve, you know? Probably. Yeah. 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 What did you think, Justin? Uh, you know, it, all things considered, I I thought it was a big success just because of a couple things. The first is, you know, we were kind of worried that there would be some technical difficulties or like someone's internet would go through, like the picks would get compromised or whatever, but that didn't happen. Um, yeah. The second thing is, you know, it was good just to see relevant football type of news. And so that was reassuring. I don't know if that was the filter t- towards it for any other year, where whether I would have liked it or not. But just to see something relevant was cool. Uh, but the third thing, too, that was kind of cool as well is just, like, you see everyone set up, you know, both general manager and yeah. head coach. I mean, you can look at, like, I don't know, Dan Snyder had, like, 20 screens. And then you had, like, <laughs> Belichick. He, had, he was just... In his kitchen with his dog. his dog. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's you see a big contrast. Uh, speaking of, how, did, did, how, yeah. How many, how many of those draft guys do you think actually like rented Airbnb houses? That's probably, what I was like, gonna say. Probably like, like 90% on. of them, right? You're looking yeah. at some of these houses. It's like, dude. N- no way. You know, no offense. You know, I'm saying this with all due respect. <laughs> but man, they these people were. <laughs> I don't know. I questioned some of those homes. Who was it? Who was it? Was it a uh, who was it? Dude with the wearing the robe. That was hilarious. Oh, oh yeah. Henry, Henry Ruggs the third. He's uh, he's a Raider now, baby. Las Vegas Raiders. But he's getting ready. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it was it was cool. I mean, obviously, you didn't see like the full on bling of attire on on a draft day per se, but you know, some people had fun with it. They're not going to appreciate that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did I did appreciate how some uh, some some guys you know took it very seriously. They're all sweating bullets in their suits, like uh, Tua, and then other other guys are just chilling in their robe and, and whatnot. Exactly, you know when it's first roll, it's what you want to make of it. You could have a party up top, or actually you could have a suit up top. You could have a yeah. par- party down below for all for all for all that matters, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Let's go ahead and talk some. Uh, or go, go ahead, Camo. What are you gonna say? I was gonna say, how did, how did, what do you guys think? How did they get those guys like all the hats and stuff? You know what I mean? Like ready to go? Did they send them like the top, you know, three or four teams that they're talking to, all their lids, and then just like stash them away? 
You know what? I think I saw somewhere that the NFL sent they they sent them a box of all thirty two teams. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but my question: Do they return it? Or I don't know. Like, <laughs> just keep it, bro. Just keep it. Just keep it. Sell it. I. It's one of those things you'll never know. It's just like for, um, you know, for Super Bowl when the losing team they have all those Super Bowl winner shirts. Where, where does it go? And I'm sure you know. Dude, where. those go to those go to third world countries. Third world countries, man. Yeah, dude, they donate them. So maybe that's where it's gonna go. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. You, you, you know how many 49er fans are in exactly. Africa right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fucked up. It's fucked up, bro. They love the draft this year. <laughs> Niners. Niners. So let's go ahead and talk some NFC West football. You guys uh, want to talk about the draft classes? For sure. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Let's go ahead and start. So um, let's pick a team. Let's talk about the Rams, okay, guys? So. Just to recap for the Rams, they had two second-round picks, two third-round picks, and a bunch of picks in the later rounds. But, you know, the surprising thing for, for me personally was, you know, they need pass rushers, they need offensive linemen, they need linebackers. They need a, a lot of uh, bread-and-butter type of guys to, to kind of build the fort because, you know, they, they have their, their prime guys to build around. So I thought that they would have gone that route in terms of rebuilding the trenches, whether it's the front seven or the offensive line. But lo and behold, they did. Well, they were they were the Rams, I guess, you know. So they got rid of Gurley. They got rid of Brandon Cooks. And so instead of getting um, some guys to supplement the trenches, like I mentioned before, they drafted Gurley's replacement in the second round. Um, their first pick, 52nd overall, Cam Akers out of Florida State. And then with the next pick, I thought they were going to draft at least, I don't know, like a linebacker or offensive line. Um, but they got a receiver. They got a wide receiver, Van Jefferson, out of Florida. Now, Cam Akers, he compares to kind of like a, like a Duke Johnson type of player. He's, um, he's shifty. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. And, you know, considering for him that Florida State wasn't that good, um, he carried the load for them. He came off uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, which is impressive. And then you have Van Jefferson. Um, he's a former, well, his dad was a former player in the NFL. He's now a wide receiver coach for the Jets. And he's a route technician. He's kind of actually compared to like a Cooper Cup. Um, so that was the first couple of picks in the draft class. And then you have Terrell Lewis, an edge guy in the third round, who I thought was good value. And then you got Terrell Burgess, um, a versatile safety in the third round out of Utah that can play both spots. Um, but overall, if you look at the rest of the draft class and just kind of put it all together, I mean, what was your impressions with the Rams? Go ahead, Tom, since you're the LA local there. Yeah. yeah um, I guess I, they, they pretty much plugged in the holes where they lost in the off season. So clearly Cam Akers, he's, he's going to fill in, um, he'll probably come in as a number two back behind, Justin, help me out. Either Malcolm, Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Jefferson, I'm guessing he's going to fill in more of the Brandon Cooks role. And more, you know, Terrell Burgess, he's going to fill in in some way. Um, interesting to see that he got a letter grade A from CBS. So maybe I want to get your insight on why it was, he was graded so high. Seems like a steal in, in the third round. Um, and then Terrell Lewis, you know. Defense, their bread and butter. When um, 
or I'm sorry, the Rams, their bread and butter when they moved to LA was, you know, kind of like their defense and getting after their the quarterback and, you know, drafting um, an, an edge rusher, um, 84th overall. It seems like pretty fitting what they would do. Yeah. What about you, Camo? Yeah, I mean, kind of leading into it, I think the biggest, I mean, biggest knock on the Rams was obviously losing the, those guys. And, and like I said, you would think that they were going to start to kind of build with these kind of glue guys and go, you know, maybe address the uh, skill positions in later rounds. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Rams are kind of getting panned all over the board um, with their overall draft selection here and just the strategy they took. So, you know, it's crazy to think how, just a couple of years ago during the Super Bowl, and now they're just in a complete sort of you know rebuild mode at this point. The the thing that kind of um, surprises me though is because like their offensive line really struggled last year, right? Yeah. And they didn't draft an offensive lineman until the seventh round with the two hundred fiftieth pick. They got a guard, <laughs> Tremaine Ancrum out of Clemson, but that's all they did. Like seriously, they yeah. got they loaded up. They got. Uh, receiver, they got tight end, they got running back, and then you know they got that one safety. They got a linebacker in the seventh round too, but he's special teams. But they really didn't address like their their true weaknesses right now. Um, they just they must feel feel pretty confident with their current group, you know. I mean, who's their left tackle currently? Is it still uh, Whitworth or is he a center? I, can't, I never remember. No, it's still Whitworth, but you know he's like what 35, 36 years old. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. They they didn't draft a single lineman early in the in the in the first couple of rounds, um, and then yeah they, I don't know. I I felt like running back and wide receiver, even though they lost Gurley and Cooks, that like they had plenty of depth along those um, on, along the depth chart, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's kind of weird, like because Jared Goff is due for his contract, and you would think like their first priority would would be to protect their investment, but they chose not to do so until. You know, so late in the draft. I'm, I'm wondering why. Maybe, do you think they have something up their sleeve, or is it because McVay, they did hire an offensive coordinator this year, right? Mm. So, um, but they went, you know, offense heavy in the first two picks. I don't know. I would think they would have an offensive line. Yeah, I'm with you too, Justin. Yeah, I, I am intrigued. Um, that is something where. I don't know, man. I, I felt that McVay's system would be good enough for the offense with the current skill set of players and that they would address the trenches, but they didn't. So um, they proved me wrong. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. What would, what would you give their overall draft letter grade? You know, I'd say like a B minus C plus. I mean, I thought that uh, their picks weren't too bad per se. Cam Akers, I can see, I can see why they, they drafted him, but I thought he was kind of a reach. I thought that Van Jefferson, that there were better players on the board. There was Denzel Mims out of Baylor. There were a couple of other wide receivers that I thought would have been a, a better fit. Um, Terrell Lewis in the third round, great value. He was projected as a second round pick, but injuries and inconsistencies have derailed him um, at Alabama. So it's a good draft pick. And then Terrell Burgess, uh, you know, he could play both safety spots, but. You know, athletically, um, kind of average, but he's a good glue guy from what I heard. Um, so, I, you know, like I said, a, a B minus C, C plus in regards to like their draft needs and, and the caliber of players they got. I think they could have done a little better, just just personally, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, let's go I ahead. What the impact? Yeah. 
I wonder what the impact would be of um, having offensive coordinator now and how much McVay is willing to give up that power to the coordinator. Because, I mean, overall, he's a head coach. He makes, you know, all the plays going to go through his headset. But, like, how much is he actually giving up? Right. And I don't think we're really going to know until the season starts because even if you're a coordinator by title, what does that really mean, you know? Uh, shit, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's go ahead and transition. So we talked about L.A. with Tom. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, Camo's former home, well, not home states, but where he used to reside in, which is in Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. And so the Cardinals, in my opinion, I thought they had a stellar draft in terms of letting the board come to them and drafting the best player of value and of need so with the eighth overall pick uh, a lot of people thought that Isaiah Simmons who's kind of like a hybrid representation of the new age defense he's a linebacker safety he can play nickel I mean he can play a little bit of everything kind of like a Derwin James they fell to the Cardinals with eighth overall pick so they nabbed him they didn't have the second overall or I'm sorry they didn't have the second round pick but that's okay because that second-round pick went to, I don't know, the best receiver in the game in DeAndre Hopkins. So I'll give them a pass for that. Uh, but the third round is interesting because Josh Jones, tackle out of Houston, he was projected as a first-rounder, slid to them in the third round. Excellent pick. And then after that, you know, they had a couple fours, a six and a seven. Um, you know, they addressed the front seven with two D linemen, a linebacker, actually, in the in the sixth round, I really like it. They got Evan Weaver out of Cal, a linebacker in the Pac-12. I thought he was an excellent pick, um, a very solid high floor guy that should be able to crack the rotation. And then they they rounded it out with a running back and you know Benjamin from Arizona State. Camo, um, since you're from that neck of the woods, I mean, you know, for a team that was in such shambles just a season ago. You get the right quarterback, you get the top receiver in the game this offseason, and yeah, a solid draft class like this, you're not looking too bad. Yeah. I mean, I think you know there are a lot of questions with the signing of Kingsbury last year, coming in, young coach, brand new quarterback and everything. Um, uh, side note, co- the Cardinals are, are, are my team, you know, even though I've lived in literally these NFC West locations, like California, Seattle, Bay Area, and, and Phoenix, so... I would say there's equal representation across the board, but that, um, no, I think that, you know, obviously like you said, the first round pick, uh, getting Simmons, uh, out of, out of Clemson, it's kind of, like you said, the kind of new age defensive player, kind of player all over the field, uh, clearly a good pick for them there. Uh, and like you said, the, you know, addressing the, addressing the later round, some pretty solid pickups, uh, Weaver, the guy from Cowler, who, you know, I, I think he's one of like four or five guys in it forever. Um, you know, leader of the team, high floor type of, type of, type of guy. Probably would do, do well on special teams. And then um, signing a local guy and out of Arizona State, who I know that uh, they showed improvements this last year in the Pac-12 um, in the running game. So, yeah, I think overall did, did pretty well for themselves, um, you know, with – Franchise quarterback and and an elite wide receiver and, and uh, a dearth of young guys. It looks promising for the Cardinals. 
What say you, T up? Um, Arizona, their draft class, I I like what they did. They kind of, you know, even though they finished last in the NFC West, I think they have the highest ceiling. And by this draft, I mean Isaiah Simmons, I like that pick. Um, Josh Jones, they definitely scored on that one for him slipping down to the third. I wonder why though. That's uh, I do want to know that, but. Like you said, Evan Weaver, awesome linebacker out of uh, Cal. Um, but s- someone who's getting a lot of buzz, especially on social media, is that running back from Arizona State, uh, Benjamin. Oh. He's, he, yeah, he's been getting a lot of um, a lot of praise, and it seems like he will. He fits nicely into that into that offensive scheme of what um, Kingsbury has um, in mind for that offense. So I don't know that Arizona. You might we might need to watch out for them for sure. That's interesting yes, because uh, Benjamin was a seventh round pick, and you're hearing all that buzz. That's that's good. It's good for mm-hmm. the Cardinals. It's good for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, all in all, it's I mean, pretty good cause, yeah. You know, Herm Edwards, he really uplifted that Arizona State program. They were they weren't doing too well for quite a while, and now that Herm he's in there, he's um, he's definitely instilling a lot of good players out of there. Right on, and then when you consider, you know, Benjamin, Brandon Ayuk, the year before, uh, Nikhil Harry, definitely some good playmakers mm-hmm. right there for sure. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so. I mean, all in all, when I look at this draft class, I mean, um, like I said, it was that rare case of best player available and need just all coming together. They needed a tackle. I thought that they were going to get either a defensive tackle or uh, a ta- offensive tackle. With the eighth overall pick, but instead uh, Simmons slipped to them, and I think he'll be potentially a great fit for the Cardinals, um, for that organization. Ironically, you know, a couple years ago they drafted Hassan Riddick out of Temple, and he was kind of supposed to be that, you know, versatile linebacker, uh, edge type of versatile mold. That didn't happen, and uh, from what I understand, they're going to decline on his fifth-year option uh, this year. So, you know, maybe Simmons might take over and take the load of what Hassan Riddick was supposed to be. And Josh Jones for the third round, I mean, that's an excellent prospect, and I think he has a chance to honestly crack the rotation at right tackle and um, be in the starting lineup to protect Kyler Murray. So, you know, I'll go ahead and give this class an A. I mean, if you can get two, three starters out of this draft class, or any draft class for that matter, I'd, I'd call it a win. I, I, I would I would have to say that Arizona, they drafted very um, strategically. And it was, um, you know, there was no, you know, let's grab them because we could get them. These are all strategic picks, plug-and-play type of players. And, um, yeah, I like it. All right. So I'll go ahead and give him, yeah, I'll give him, give him a solid A. I like it. All right. Sure. Before we move on, can we talk about Kingsbury's house? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about his house. So speaking of houses, house. uh, why is it? Because we know in Arizona right now, you know, it's piping hot over there, and he had he had the fire pit going out, out uh, outside. What's going on with that? So for those that didn't see, um, they had Cliff Kingsbury on ESPN. Chilling just like any other head coach, um, but he had a baller bachelor pad. I mean, it was one of those places where um, 
uh, you, you just have to see. It was gorgeous, but you know, I can imagine like, um, shoot a, a fat, just a fat ass party, man. I would love to have that house, man. That, <laughs> it's a fat ass party. That's all I'm saying. With with, with several women um, to entertain. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. yeah, I mean, you know, rent, you know, rent's cheap out in AZ, so, you know, you can get a lot of your money out there, because currently it's, like, 100 degrees, even, even though it's, like, 10 o'clock at night, so. Yeah, and then I was, I, I was telling my boys, too, that, like, that's, like, kind of normal in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. It, that type of house, like, you would see For that, sure. like, any, every street has something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of fun to look on Zillow sometimes and real estate over there just to be like see how much your dollar can stretch out in the <laughs> oh dude yeah for sure but, uh, a good uh a good bang for your buck yeah for sure yeah uh, so justin can we uh can we actually go into uh into the seahawks next if that's okay with you oh okay yeah we can, we can talk some seahawks so let's yeah. transition so for those that know camo is from the bay area then he lived in arizona he currently lives in Seattle, so let's uh, let's talk about the Seahawks. So for the Seahawks, they had they had a bunch of picks, um, more so in the later rounds. But you know, I was actually surprised they didn't trade down this year for their first round pick. So with the twenty seventh overall pick, they drafted a linebacker, Jordan Brooks, yeah. Texas Tech, and uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, kind of a reach at the time. But you know, I, I read a little bit more about him. He's a physical downhill linebacker in the traditional mold. Um, very, very much a sure-handed tackler. Second round, they got an edge guy. Thank God they got an edge guy. Um, Darrell Taylor out of Tennessee. Okay. Uh, was not expecting him to be at that spot. But, you know, going back to the Seahawks draft day approach, uh, they always seem to have their sort of way with the draft board. I feel like the Raiders and the Seahawks, they have their way with the draft board. Maybe not necessarily the way you'd see it, but you just trust the process. So um, Durrell Taylor, edge guy, pass rusher out of Tennessee. And then what's interesting is in the third round, they drafted a guard, Damian Lewis out of LSU. And right after the draft, so they drafted Damian Lewis, who's projected as guard. And then right away, they go ahead and cut DJ Fluker, who was last year's starting guard. So almost instantly, Damian Lewis should be the starter. I know that they signed a couple of offensive linemen to compete, but uh, there you have it. You're going to have Damian Lewis as your starting guard. And then they rounded it off. They got uh, Camo, used to live in Palo Alto, so they got a, a tight end out of Colby Parkinson from Stanford. And then they rounded off with a running back, defensive end, wide receiver, and they get another tight end. So it was a pretty interesting draft. A lot of running backs, tight ends, not a single wide receiver, by the way. Well, they, they got one wide receiver. They got Freddie Swain mm-hmm. out of Florida in the, in the sixth round. Um, but, yeah, it was a very um, very diverse sort of, sort of class. Uh, Kamo, I'll go ahead and let you have the floor about this. Yeah, it's funny. Like the day after the draft, I had a I had a, uh, one, a meeting with one of my people on my team, who's a huge Hawks fan. And first thing he said was, "I don't know what the what the hell these the Seahawks are doing." Because again, you know, it's always been the offensive line is is the biggest need. And so I know you you know they cut Fluker, they signed one guard here, and and a couple offseason, but still, it's always protect rough 
class protect for us. That's the number one thing that they've been trying to plug in or address for years now. And they get all these random guys who have played different positions, have been in different different teams and such. So um, again, it's more of those things, you know, Snyder and Carroll must have uh, for these picks because, you know, drafting linebackers first round when they have a, one of the best in the league in Bobby Wagner, um, you know, questions there. And then the the guy on my team had said, you know, why didn't they address um, the cornerback position? You know, that's been – the secondary was a, was a huge issue for the, for the Seahawks this last year. Um, so, you know, and then two more tight ends when they already have like four currently uh, on the roster. Obviously, they, you know, not everyone's going to make the team, but – uh, you know, I'd like the Parkinson pick just from having season tickets for four years. Tom Blight, a great player. Stanford is now the tight end U with all the players they've had in recent years. Hurts, for Lolo, and all those guys. So, um, yeah, overall, still kind of confusing Seahawks class. I think overall. Yeah, very Seahawksy, I guess. What about you? What about you, Tia? What, what's your take on it? I guess my first question is Jordan Brooks. Well, who is his player comp? And do they have a blaring need at, at linebacker that they, they were hard pressed to draft one? You know what? I'd say that they did have a need at linebacker. It wasn't the primary need, but it was one of those things where down the road, the need would be there. You know, obviously you have Bobby Wagner, but KJ Wright, he's getting up there. He's on the last year of his deal. And then you have Cody Barton, who they drafted last year out of Utah. Um, so you could see, you know, that they would ha- like to bolster the linebackers' corpse uh, for down the road. But it's interesting, though, because Jordan Brooks, like I mentioned before, he's more of a run-stopping, in-the-box linebacker, very physical. But... K.J. Wright is a rangy cover three linebacker. The Seahawks are a cover three defense, right? And so the biggest knock on Brooks is it's it's his coverage skills. They say he's an excellent tackler. He's physical. Um, you know, certainly can make plays in the run game. But in pass coverage, he's weak at that. And so I didn't really understand the fit. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was that was kind of uh, that was kind of weird. That that's just, that's just my two cents. Did do you feel like the Seahawks improved with this draft? You know, I um, I'll be honest with you. Um, I never really understand per se the, the method to their madness because it sounds kind of ends up working. I mean, last year they got DK Metcalf. I had a feeling that was going to work, and that that paid dividends. Um, this year was. You know, thank God they didn't draft another running back in the first round. Thank God they didn't do that, right? Another Rashad Penny or whatever like that. I would have been pretty pissed off. Uh, but I felt that, you know, the stuff that they drafted, I can understand. Um, but once again, you know, going back to that point, similar to like the Rams, they didn't really draft any offensive linemen. Uh, I thought that they were going to get a receiver um, in the draft to complement Russell Wilson with Tyler Lookett's DK Metcalf and get a, a good slot receiver. There were plenty of uh, good receivers in this class. They didn't really do that until later on in the sixth round. And uh, I felt that the needs that they did address this year, whether it be a tight end or running back, um, those needs were secondary, but they must have liked the value that they saw on the board. 
Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll go so far as to give it, um, you know, I'll give him a, like a B minus C plus too. I mean, it's an okay draft, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any standouts? Any, anyone that you'll be uh, keying into in the season? You know, I'll be very curious to see. Um, maybe there's something I'm missing. You go ahead. Uh, I would say, I mean, I would think Jordan Brooks in draft eight. Yeah, no, uh, I'm on the same page, page as you. I'm very curious to see what they see in Jordan Brooks because from what I understand, he was projected as a second, third round pick. They felt strong enough to get him in the end of the first round. So what do they see in him? Um you know, I know he can play. I know he can tackle. But it seems like he might not be the best fit for the cover three. But we'll see. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll Kamo, what about uh, your buddy who's a Seahawks fan? Is he, <laughs> is he stoked about anyone on no. the draft? Or? No, no, not really. <laughs> That's a hard no. <laughs> no, I think, they, uh, I think most Seahawks fans here, they just feel like, you know, kind of in, in, in Pete we trust, you know, 13-3 last year somehow, um, despite all those close games. But they know it's not sustainable. At some point, there's gonna, something's going to happen. They're going to topple over. But again, this is a fine, okay draft, I'd say. Um, you know, tough to say. All right. I mean, we all have to be in the agreement. 13-3 season last year was a shocker too many. I mean, how many, how many games were within three points, right, or whatever it was? Seriously, yeah. So I, I think all credit goes to Russell yeah, Wilson for, for sure. pulling off those wins. Yeah, for sure. I can't remember if there were any defensive wins. Mm. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Sorry, Seattle. <laughs> well, when you have a franchise quarterback like Russell Wilson, that's what happens because if you look in the division, he's probably the best quarterback in the NFC West right now. Let's go ahead and transition. Last but not least, all right. Hey, I know. Uh, nice, Tom. He's looking nice, to Tom. Song. Let's go ahead. I, for those that are listening, um, Tom just cracked open a beer. Tom just water. Yeah, is that your uh, Lacroix or uh, what's your what's your what's your flavor there? Uh, Lacroix, definitely. LaCroix, you gotta yeah. go with the you gotta go with the traditional pample mousse. That's pample the, mousse. Oh, that was classic. Yeah, yeah, that's classic. Oh, so that's not beer, Tom. <laughs> For the viewers, it is. It's a nice um, Russian River fine beer. Nice. Yeah. What are you drinking there, Justin? So, yeah, Justin. What do you got? I got a White Claw, baby. I got a White Claw, baby. I got a I got a watermelon flavored White Claw because I'm I'm so because he- I'm so healthy. We should uh, we should do a um, you know a, a claw rankings at some point flavor wise. Oh yeah, dude. Stay tuned. I'd be down. Oh, maybe like a claw versus truly podcast. Uh, I think fans would want that. That's a that's a that's a non starter. You already know why is shit. <laughs> shit. Shit. Let's go ahead and transition, guys, okay? Uh, All right. Sure. Speaking of white claw, let's talk about them San Francisco 49ers, okay? Right. All right. So the Niners they didn't have that many picks. They uh ended up with five drafted players. And they had two first-round picks, and it was anticipated that out of one of the two, maybe both, since they didn't have any mid-round picks in day two because of trades for D Ford, 
um, the trade for Emmanuel Sanders, that they would certainly use one of those first-round picks to trade down and acquire more draft capital. Um, but lo and behold, they did kind of like the, the opposite. Uh, they traded one spot down to acquire a fourth-round pick, and they drafted Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle, which surprised a lot of people because Jerry Judy of Alabama, <laughs> CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma um, were on the board, top-tier wide receivers on the board. You also had Tristan Wirfs, a, um Iowa by the way, you know that Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch, they love Iowa players. Um, they pass on him, and so they get a defensive tackle. Fast forward to the 20s, and the Niners with the 31st pick overall, you kind of just assume that they would trade down and get more capital. But instead, they take that fourth-round pick that they acquired from the Kinlaw trade. They package that with a fifth-round pick and their own 31st overall pick, and they trade up to the 25th pick to get Brandon Ayuk, a wide receiver out of Arizona State. And so that surprised a lot of people because not only did they pass up on Judy and Lamb, but they traded up to get another wide receiver in the first round. Fast forward, they got an offensive lineman in the fifth round in which they traded Matt Breida, running back, to the Dolphins for the fifth round pick. Interesting. And then in the sixth round, they traded Marquise Goodwin and their later sixth round pick to move up a couple spots to draft a blocking tight end in Charlie Warner. And then the last pick, they get a receiver. The second wide receiver in this draft class with J. Juan Jennings out of Tennessee. So a very interesting draft class when you also consider that in day three to end out the draft, we found out that Joe Staley, 13-year-old veteran, left tackle, has announced that he's going to retire. And what do the Niners do? They trade this year's fifth-round pick, a future third for, drumroll please, Trent Williams of Washington. The guy that missed a year of football, but he was a seven-time Pro Bowler. He replaces Joe Staley. That rounds out the draft class. Just, um, wow. What a, <laughs> just a lot of shit, guys, okay? That's just a lot of shit. Uh, tee up, just give me your thoughts. I mean, I just broke it all down, but that was just a lot. I need to drink some White Claw. That was a lot uh, under one breath. <laughs> uh, I just want to start off by saying that was a fantastic monologue. Um, yes. Was that written or was that just off the top? That was all on me head. Oh, man. Wow. Well, hey, two thumbs up. Did it sound good? Uh, sound good? Fantastic. All right. That was awesome. I couldn't yeah. tell that you're a 49er fan at all. Okay. Um, yep, not at all. But, um, no, great job, class. Um, I'm not going to lie. I guess, you know, I was kind of hoping for the shiny new car for the first-round draft pick, which would be, you know, C.D. Lamb or... or um, um, Judy. 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 Yeah, Ju- Judy. Um. But Javon Kinlaw, you know, at first I was like, what? what? What's going on? But once I started looking into him, I think, you know, we they went with the track right and true defensive tackle who, who's, who's getting to get after the, um, the quarterback. And everyone else followed. Brandon Ayuk, um, McCravitz, you know, offensive tackle down to, um, you know, even the last pick, Juwan Jennings. 
he, you know, he did have some off the field issues, but I think his, you know, coming to the Niners with some vets, he's definitely, he's going to, um, he's going to mature as a professional athlete. So, and then just the top, they go out and they get Trent Brown. That was just <clears throat> shocked me. I'll tell you that. But I guess it was in the cards already. Like, it was just one of those things where it's like, we kind of know about it, but we don't talk about it because it's, you know, just one of those things, like, as Niner Faithful, it's like, no, let's just not talk about it. Yeah. But we kind of knew it was going to happen, but when it was finally announced, we're like, no, it didn't happen. But it actually did. So, I don't know. I haven't been this excited for a draft class for any team in the NFC West this long. Um, so, yeah. No, uh, great. Fantastic. I'm excited for the season. There's oh. a lot of uh, players I think are going to be kind of like cornerstones to this organization. Who? Um, who, do, who do you really like? Tell me how you really mm, feel. Brandon Ayuk. Um, I'm, I'm really <laughs> high on him. He was, um, you know, looking further into him, like looking into his metrics. It's kind of like it, it's prototypical of what we're kind of looking for. I'm sorry. Of what Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> of what Kyle Shanahan. Very nice correction. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Okay. We, we, we gotta we gotta edit that one out. <laughs> no, we're not. Go on, go on. <laughs> you know, hand size, wingspan, um, forty. His catch radius, um, yeah, speed. It, it, it's all everything that we're looking for. So I'm definitely excited to uh, see him on the field and see how he's going to compete against uh, or the um, NC West and their their good defenses. So. All right. What about you, Camo? I'm stoked about it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Camo? Yeah. Did a uh, question? Did did did, Ayuk, did did he return punts at ASU? Yes, that's another excellent point. Thank you, Camo. So he was an excellent punt returner, and and he also did kickoffs. So yeah. Richie James Jr. I don't know, man. It's going to be really tough to stay on this roster because no. Uh, yeah. Off the top, he he can return kicks. Yeah, I mean. First of all, forks up. Soon to be ASU grad in two weeks, so you know I gotta represent. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is that the sign? Is that the sign? Yeah, is it fork? Is that the fork? That's the, the, that's the thing. It's funny. My undergrad ECSD was at the Triton, so two schools with a shocker as their hand signal. So. <laughs> to our listeners that can't see what they're doing, Camo is uh, playing with his fingers in a uh, in a shocker like fashion. Uh, I, yeah, it's just, it's just a you know family friendly trident kind of emblem, just like that. There's an emoji for it, I think. But um, no, uh, yeah, obviously, I think we we were all in the same uh, Zoom meeting, you know, live reactions to, uh, to when the Niners were on the clock. Y'all, the majority said Judy, except for a couple that said uh, um, CD Lamb, I think. But you know, I think this is obviously a guy that they uh, they this must be one of those Shanahan or Lynch. No guys that they were targeting the whole time. So they did we mention we traded we traded that one pick from thirteen to fourteen or fourteen to thirteen third round pick out of, from, that, from the for the transaction. Yep. So they had the thirteenth pick. They traded down one spot to acquire a fourth round pick, yeah. and then they used that fourth round pick with the fifth round pick to trade up from the thirty first to the twenty fifth. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that was, uh, you know, everyone's kind of thinking, you know, why is this automatically going to be uh, Tor Buckner's replacement? 
Rudy. Rudy kind of has a lot of really solid guys in front of line. But, again, I think that they address the needs down the road um, with wide receivers. You know, initially when they said, okay, uh, wide receiver from ASU, 49ers, I immediately thought Kyle Williams. Like, I hope this works out with that. Right, right. And then Damn. After, you said you said the K word. Cal <laughs> Williams. I haven't heard that name in forever, but I'll exactly. let I'll, I'll let it be. I'll let it be. Cool. Uh, and then in, and then in terms of returning punts, you know that was supposed to be Dante Pettis's his thing, but that didn't work out well either. So he does a good job in that position. Are you guys surprised that you know when you look at this draft class, they didn't draft a single defensive back, whether it be cornerback or safety? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I thought they would, you know, kind of add another one in the mix. Because I think I expressed to you before, I'm not really comfortable with the whole mostly Witherspoon competition going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that other NFC West teams will kind of feast on that side, which they have, they did last season pretty much. Um, so maybe... Obviously, Salah, I guess he he likes what he has, and you know he trusts that those men will will mature into this season. And you know they got a taste of the pie, you know, but they yeah. didn't get the whole piece. So yeah. maybe that'll <laughs> that'll you know kind of push them a little bit to yeah. that to that level. Yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway about this Niners draft class was you know they're in win now mode, and they're no longer excited to win; they're expected to win. Meaning that whoever is on this roster, um, you know, they're not really going to be there to develop. So these first round picks between Kinlaw and Ayuk, they are expected to contribute immediately. Kinlaw in the form of Buckner, Ayuk in the form of Sanders. Will they replace them entirely? Of course not. They're rookies. Okay. It's going to take some time, but they're going to put them in a similar role. And, you know, even Debo Samuel, when he started out as a rookie, uh, he was more of a gadget player until later on in the second half of the season before he became the Debo Samuel that you know. Um, But both of these rookies are going to have their ups and downs, but I see the fit. Um, The latter picks between McKivitz, Warner, and Jennings, I mean, they're tough guys, they're glue guys, they're versatile I actually think that Warner, out of all three of the latter round picks, that he would be more likely to get playing time just because he's such a great blocker that he might mm-hmm. actually um, help out a lot backing up Kittle in the blocking department yeah. and allow Kittle to get some, some time off the field and rest. Um, I could see that being a great fit. Um, but all, all in all, man, you know they didn't have that many players. They only had five guys selected, and that's okay. In respect to the whole defensive back thing about them not being able to draft one, well, I guess that means they feel pretty damn good about their group. I mean, they went back to the red butter, which is their defensive line, and I think that they continue to be on the same discipline where if you can rest the, the quarterback, last year they were second in the league in quarterback pressure. They can continue to do that. The rest will figure itself out, and obviously you see that from this year's draft class. Justin, a quick question for so from your re- research you've done on on some of the later round guys like Kivitz, is he what side of what side of the ball does he does he kind of play on and what what is his sort of style like on the offensive line? He's like 
the mauler type or what what is he what is he like so the thing with him is his first couple of years he played right tackle his last year he played left tackle uh, but he has some versatility at guard. He had about three starts at right guard. I think for, for his sake, you know, I, I think he's a better fit at guard at the next level just because, um, you know, he's massive, but he's not the most athletic. So you might see him at guard at the next level. But at the very least, you know, I think he's versatile enough to be a backup guard or a swing tackle right now. Yeah. And, and then uh, in, in Jennings, I just saw that, he he! I don't know how many how involved he was on a bad Tennessee team, uh, but he had a ton of uh, yards after the catch. Is that is that sort of like kind of the role? You know, CBS gave him a, a draft grade of A, so they really liked him in the seventh round. Yeah, no, he was he was a big sleeper for a lot of people. They weren't expecting him to be found in the seventh round because he uh, you know he had a pretty dominant career at Tennessee. But you know, for one, the Volts they weren't that good of a football team. And the second thing is, as good as he was on the field, he ran a horrible 40 time. He ran a 4.7240, which is not ideal for a wide receiver. So, yeah. I mean, you know, some people compared him to like a Jalen Hurd because he's 6'3, Jalen Hurd's 6'4, big slot receiver type of role. Um, some people might actually compare him to like an Anquan Bolden. He's physical at the line of scrimmage. Most of his plays were off slants, making tough catches. But, you know, the, the biggest knock on him is, you know, is he fast enough to get enough separation at the next level? I'm interested to see Jawan Jennings for sure. That's, um, you know, just throwing another wide receiver into that mix, that mix, it's going to put pressure on, you know, the other wide receivers who are vying for a, for a position. And here's the thing about the Niners. They've invested a lot of draft capital at the wide receiver position and the only one that's really hit so far has been Debo. They need someone to hit. Whether it be Pettis, Ayuk, Jennings, Her, Taylor, they need someone else to step up. Okay? So the pressure's on that wide receiver group. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, anywho, guys, um, that's pretty much the wrap-up for the NFC West. I know that we always tend to divulge a little bit more on the Niners than the other teams naturally but you know all in all i think uh, that all four teams did get better if not um you know sustain themselves it, it certainly makes things interesting for 2020 um uh, what are your what are your thoughts about this draft class for the nfc west just overall i think overall it was um it was a good draft um there were obviously clearly teams who i think came out more strategic than other teams and, you know, fill in the gaps where they needed to be filled. Um, but as you know, NFC West, anything can happen. It's such a competitive division where, you know, the team that's least expected will be the team that's fighting for a playoff position at the end of the season. So um, that's just the beauty of our conference. You know, I would, um, in full belief, that it's, it's honestly the best division in, in the NFL right now. So beg different to me, at me. On Twitter. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Camo? Yeah, I agree. I think um, some teams, like, I mean, if you're going to if you're gonna grade all four, you could argue, definitely say that probably the Cardinals and Cardinals and Niners had the best overall draft. And you can even say that maybe the Cardinals had a slightly better one just from the, the strategic kind of 
uh, point and addressing their needs and such. But uh, um, again, question marks around the Seahawks as usual. And then uh, I don't, you know, who knows? Overall, entertaining. Um, always exciting to see, you know, how these young guys are going to come in and play, and you know how they're going to be, and you know what training camps look this year. Who knows? It's going to be very different. Um, you know, if and when they get kind of permission to, to do that stuff. So, who knows? All right. If I had to round it off, just uh, rankings-wise, I don't really want to do, well, I mean, even though I did do draft grades earlier, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. But I'll go and tear it up. I think that the Cardinals had the best draft out of the NFC West. I put the Niners at second, the Rams at third, and the Seahawks at fourth. Now, I know that the Seahawks are always kind of weird, and they end up figuring things out anyways. So I'll go ahead and... Maybe I'll be biting my tongue when I say that they were the fourth best team in the NFC West when it comes to the draft. But we'll see. We'll see. Quick question, Justin. How many uh, how many draft picks did you get correct this year? I know last year you had, what, four? Four. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm climbing up there. Two years ago, I got shitted on. I had two, two picks. What, one and two? I had two. <laughs> and then last year, I had four. This year, I had six. So All right. I'm making my way up in the world, baby. I'm making my way up in the Going world. Going up by the, you like the evens, huh? Even, even hoes, even hoes. So, all right, listeners. Well, hey, thank you so much for checking out the pod, whether you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google. Uh, make sure to check out Instagram at Just the West, Twitter at Just the West, and of course the blog www.justthewest.com KMO tee up I appreciate your time until next time we out here peace peace later